Welcome, everybody, to the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am David Van Vepper. And uh, we are sitting here on another Monday evening for a Tuesday upload anyway, um, just uh, having a discussion. So uh, Dave and I are coming together again for part two of Lord's Day Robbery. Um, But there's a little bit of a slight change uh, that uh, has come about because of what we did last week. It got out there. Um, But, uh, you know, before uh, we get into uh, talking about all all the stuff, I just have to read. From the scriptures, I want to read Second Timothy 4 here. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word and listen to what he says after this. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. So that is what we're going to be talking about tonight on this uh, part two episode. So Dave um, had gotten in contact, like he said, he knows Clifton Long. And uh, so there was some, finally, there's some contact, uh, you know, and I was kind of CC'd on some emails, but, uh, you know, letting Dave uh, lead the charge on that. So Dave, uh, sort of uh, just uh, explain what has gone on this past week. Yeah. So before I do that, though, I do want to state, Adam, you were at the conference oh, yes. this weekend, Christendom 2.0. And at that conference, this great book was released, Against Abortion, A Pastor's Plea by Brandon Dodd, one of the TAG fellows. This book is now available on Amazon, and we will have a link for it on our website. But if you want to get a copy of it directly from Brandon, he'll probably give you a little bit of a discount as he probably has a few extra copies. Great book. It is only about 105 pages in length. It is outstanding. Well-written, release number two from BNR Publishing, mm-hmm. and we will and hope to have a book out at the end of this month, quite possibly, if not the end of this month, the start of next month, and it will be called Make America Prophesy Again. And of course, Brandon writes the foreword to that book. It is a book that I did write, but I will state with great help and great insight from Adam, it actually took a longer period of time to get that book out because I was definitely encouraged by Adam multiple times. So everything that I do, I always want to make sure Adam is one of my great motivators for that. So if you can get on Amazon and get yourself a copy of Against Abortion, A Pastor's Plea, outstanding, exceptional book. I really enjoyed my read of it. I think you would be enjoyed too, because it is purely from a pastor's perspective as to why Not only a pastor wants to be consistent in abolition, but why those in the pews need to be consistent with abolition. And so this is always just a a major component of who we are as Tag Your It. We are directly connected with abolitionism. We're not like only abolitionism, but that is inherently something that's really big for us and something we want to encourage people on. So now, Adam, to answer your question, brother my interactions with Brother Long, and I want to state this too, by the way. I hope that nothing that I said was pejorative or demeaning. Uh, I wanted to be honest last week. I wanted to make sure that there was a heartfelt plea because more than anything, 
My desire is individuals who want to play, and I will use some cultivation theory because Adam and I were talking about, about that before. Cultivation theory is a communication theory. And one of the things that it advocates is this mean world syndrome where people believe things are worse than what they actually are. And what I see perpetuated from individuals like Brother Long is that, oh my goodness, the boogeyman that is reformed theology, the boogeyman that is Calvinism, all that does is destroy unity that really should exist within the body of believers. And so our real goal last week was not to like bash Brother Long. In fact, if you would, uh, I would be glad to show any of one would like to see any of the interactions that I've had with him through my emails to him. They've always been gracious. I've always referred to him as brother. I've always tried to be exceptionally kind in the way that I deal with him because I believe that he does want people to come to salvation. I believe he's a fellow believer. And likewise, I believe that we can minister together for the good of the gospel, which is an incredibly important thing and exceptionally relevant. Here we live in a polarizing time. The last thing we need to do is to attack people in the church who actually preach the same gospel, certainly important issues, but the dogmatism that exists within a second level or tertiary doctrine that is perpetuated from behind the pulpit on the 27th is exceptionally problematic. So I want to let you know that we extended an invitation to Brother Long. We wanted him to come on the podcast here today. Uh, not only did I send him one email, I sent him multiple emails to try to invite him to come on. And so I want to just share real briefly uh, some of those interactions because I think that they were really good. So last week, right after the show, I did send a message to him and invited him to, to discuss us, to call me on the phone to discuss it. Listen, even if it wasn't, hey, come on the program, talk to me, allow me to share with people. You know, you and I had a great hour-long discussion, and we were able to work through some things in a way that just demonstrated Christian unity. But here's what mm -hmm. Clifton Long said to our first response. And, and Adam, again, I would love any insight, any uh, response that you have. He writes, Dave, I appreciate your concern for my ignorance and confusion, as well as your desire to talk with me and help me see things correctly. I want to say one thing. Ignorance is not a sin. You don't know what you don't know. Like ignorance is not a bad thing. I'm exceptionally ignorant on how to work on cars. I'm exceptionally ignorant, Adam, on how to cut people's hair, right? Like I don't know how to do that. Like, okay, I could take a razor and like shave people's heads, but I'm ignorant on those things. I'm ignorant when it comes to brain surgery. I'm ignorant when it comes to dentistry, uh, orthopedic medicine. I'm ignorant on those things. I don't know. I haven't studied. But if I were to begin to outcry or decry uh, any type of area of expertise that I don't know about, and I ignorantly lambasted that concept, that position, then I am the one in wrong. I have failed. I have been willingly ignorant, or maybe I've not been willingly ignorant, but I was just ignorantly ignorant. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so when someone then would say, oh, no, brother, let me explain this to you, I would want to take a seat back. That's where it becomes an actual problem. When people point out, no, brother, you, you don't understand this right. And they say, let's just talk about it. I mean, off the record, like not recording it. Uh, if you want to come on and record and demonstrate Christian charity and unity, we'd love that. But when you use this, your concern for my ignorance, well, if my concern for your ignorance is actually genuinely sincere, 
then don't you want to come to me? Yeah. And uh, so, um, you know, Dave reached out and hit this. Um, and so the responses were, you know, they were, they were in kind um, when it comes, when he came back anyway, uh, to respond to Dave and stuff. But it, what's happening now is um, he is holding back. Yeah. And uh, he came in. And so the reason why we're, we're, we're not going to hit uh, the same uh, video because uh, he comes back last Sunday. So yesterday um, he came back to his congregation to um, talk about it. And so instead of hitting, you know, keeping on going with the last video, we're going to deal with we're going to end up dealing with the uh, with yesterday's uh, sermon, which, again, is another Lord's Day robbery, because instead of contacting Dave or me making a zoom call that went unrecorded or coming on the show today to, to answer our invitation to, Hey, let's have a discussion, not a, you know, we don't have to have a organized debate where you have to prepare an opening statement, have prepared cross-examination questions and have like, you know, be ready to uh, take rebuttals and then have a closing statement. Okay. We're not asking for that. We're asking for a informal discussion, just like, you know, just normal tag your it stuff here. Um, but that's what he's wanting to prepare for. We're not asking for that. So, you know, the, the thing is, is unfortunately um, there's a victim mentality that uh, happens um, in his, not sermon again the the sad thing is is now this is two weeks in a row of robbing the lord's day so where his people need to hear the word of the lord um he's gotten mad about man's opinions yet that's what he is giving from the pulpit yeah so sadly he is complaining about something and then doing it and so here in this video in this sermon he does have some sort of apology, but an apology that does not actually come out in action. And so that's where I would have to hit him. Well, and Adam, here's the deal too. I sent that email to him on Tuesday, right? So he Mm. could have called me on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and been like, brother, uh, I want you to know there are some things that I said that I want, I'm going to publicly go back to my church and like apologize for like, that was wrong. Right. But no, it was no. In fact, just to follow up a little bit more on that email, here's what he wrote. You may be sure that I will respond. I ask that you allow me the time you obviously had to prepare your rebuttal. Your rebuttal, brother, someone sent me this actual sermon and said, I have a son who is part of this association. What do we do? What do I tell my son to do? And I was like, man, holy cow. This is crazy. Again, I ask you in my emails to send me a copy of the resolution that you all passed because I would like to see it. Because as you well know, the Southern Baptists have actually already given a resolution on how Reformed theology or Calvinism and how traditionalism, because that's how it was first perpetuated back in 2011 and 2012, how those things actually can work together. And by the way, as you well know, Tom Askell, who's running for president of the SBC, he's had numerous people that are not reformed actually endorse his candidacy. So just want to point that out there. We did not have some like large, long time. Like I didn't have some notes. Adam hadn't even seen the full sermon before we hit play. Like we saw it, we knew it was problematic and we know what we believe. We know what scripture says. We know what Jude says, right? I hadn't preached Jude for like 
three or four years. I didn't like break out a ton of commentaries to know that you were mishandling the context and the application of scripture, right? Like the yeah. exegesis that you were doing was not something that I had to spend hours and hours and hours upon. It was easy for me to see the eisegesis that you were committing. And, yeah, and here's the deal. Yeah. And here's, here's the deal. Just like with the verse I read, be ready in season and out of season. So again, we're not wanting a formal debate. So there's nothing to prepare for. Like you don't have to do that and you shouldn't have to do that to enter in conversation, especially the one that we're having, because you know what you said, we know what you said, you know what we said, it's just a, uh, a conversation. And so you should be ready because what you did, you made the claim that reformed theology and really, and I'll, I'll let you let you in on a little secret here. You've conflated reformed theology with what is termed Calvinism. So Calvinism, just to let you know, is just we're talking about the soteriology part. All right. Reformed theology is bigger and you are utilizing if you utilize sola scriptura, that the word that the word of God, the Bible is the sole infallible rule of faith and practice for all of life. Then you are borrowing from reformed theology or else you would be a Roman Catholic. So understand that there is a difference whenever we say Calvinism and Reformed theology. Okay, so now you are corrected. Say, I'm sorry, right? And let's be brothers here. And don't backpedal and don't stand, like don't take your stand still while you're trying to say, I'm sorry. No, understand that you are wrong about Reformed theology and Calvinism and you're conflating them. It's strictly so the soteriology that we're talking about when we say Calvinism and then the doctrines of grace and then um, reformed theology is a much bigger thing. All right. They're, they're two separate things and you're borrowing from it. And then I understand that you say, I agree with say the idea of all man's sins and totally depraved. Um, I can hit you on a few things, but we can talk because you probably agree with this more than what you would want to think because you are, have a prejudice against the soteriology, but I'm sure in conversation, we're going to come out and be a lot more in agreement um, on, on that end. But uh, you know, like the thing is, is you made the claims that you did. That means you already know, you should already know what to talk about whenever we are talking. So now that you are going, well, I'm going to go back to the scriptures. You're kind of going, well, do I know? But then you told your congregation for certain a lot of things. So do you know, or don't you know, and can you say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have spent the Lord's day talking about something that I really don't know. Mm. But if you do know, and you can make those claims, then you could be able to come and have a conversation with us. So now this, I, I'm very, I'm highly confused well, um, and here's about, the thing, the, about where he is. Yeah. And here's the thing with this, Adam, like, when he says in the rest of the email, he says, well, I'm going to go back to my library in quotes and uh, consult with its author. Great. Are you ready? That's reformed theology. Number Again, one, yeah, Sola Scriptura. Exactly. And the priesthood of the believers. Notice that you didn't have to go to the Pope to ask him to tell you what, how to understand that. Like, that's a reality, right? Not only are you doing Sola Scriptura, you're also grabbing that priesthood of the believer, which is also part of the Protestant Reformation as based very much in Luther. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so I'm, I'm still left highly confused. We can't have a conversation. And again, you should be ready in season or out of season. If you are qualified to be a preacher of the word of God in front of a congregation, that's overseeing a congregation, you should be able to do this already. 
you should have been in the word already and know. And that's basically, that's how I could listen to, um, 35 minutes of that sermon sermon and, and, uh, be able just to respond quickly because I already know what I know. I already know what I believe. I know where to go. I can have a conversation. And so again, don't assume our, uh, you can't assume our, our, our study, because this is a very informal podcast. And if you knew the podcast, then you had been able to go, oh yeah, they're pretty highly informal and they go in and tackle an issue because they have spent time in the word in the past. Yeah. And this, this, t- this podcast is a culmination of that. So whenever, you know, there's a lot of times where we don't know what we're going to talk about till that day. And it's about an hour before we actually hit the record button. Yeah. I <laughs> so, I you know, you know very, what? that's the thing that I think is yeah. so fun about the podcast, by the way, uh, we are always just, Hey, we both live lives in ministry in various ways. You're a lay leader in your church, a, a deacon. Uh, I don't know that you're actually a deacon, still in the active deacon in the church that you're in. And I'm a pastor and I get to be a college professor as well. And by God's grace, we get the opportunity to just think through different worldview issues. But Brother Long, here's one of the things, and I'm speaking directly to you, I hope, and I will send you a copy of this. This is not a criticism about your ability or call to ministry. Like I want to make it clear. God has used you to proclaim the message of salvation to numerous people. God has used you to proclaim the gospel in areas of darkness, to bring light to darkness. God has used you and the message of the gospel to save people through you as a willing mouthpiece. Praise the Lord for that. But your charges and the implications of your charges say, nah, Dave hasn't been used by the kingdom. In fact, he's anti-kingdom. Yeah, and that's the thing you didn't. As for and again, like I didn't get all the way to the end of this one, and there was enough to respond to, and we can do a part two, like a part three, which would be part two of this. But I never heard you uh, say I'm sorry for the charge of antichrist. Do you know how big of a charge you made? Even though, you know, yeah, you were would be correct on the spirit of antichrist and all that kind of stuff. So you know congratulations for that. Thank you for getting at least the spirit of antichrist, right? But you called us antichrist and we're teaching antichrist and you never said, I'm sorry. So again, you, you double down on your, uh, I believe, even though I could be ignorant, I could not know, and I'm going to go study again. Um, but you never said I, I maybe rushed my judgment. I need to go back. I am sorry for that. So again, going into this, we are still antichrist yes we that's, are that's the thing you can say i'm sorry but you're antichrist wait a second i sorry i i probably i might not know what i'm talking about but you're still antichrist instead of going hey i need to hold back i am sorry for the ad hominem the malicious ad hominems because i i may not know what i'm saying well you tried that <laughs> and but, here's the thing too adam before we hit the video because i know yeah. we've been talking and kind of building yeah. up to it but my biggest concern about this is this. Here is a brother who has served in an association for a long time, has a voice of authority within that group of churches, and he can easily, easily come to those folks and say very clearly, brothers, we need to revise what we said. We might not appreciate any type of Calvinistic soteriology. We might disagree with it vehemently, but you know what? Those are still brothers in the Lord. 
And we need to walk back some of our statements as a whole because there has not been the study of church history, the study of Baptist history, the study of Baptist confessions that actually really is important to presenting to our congregations, the flocks that God has entrusted to us, a lack of a, a decreased animosity towards brothers. We live in polarizing times. Why do we want to be polarized over non-essentials? Look, I will, I will straight up tell you, uh, I am more than happy to have multiple people who do not hold to every specific doctrine that I hold to stand in the pulpit, right? That's not a measure of standard that, that I have. Oh man, you have to follow everything that I hold to uh, doctrinally. Like different people definitely have spoken in the pulpit, but I know that on the essentials, we're on the same place. I mean, I have preached in churches numerous times within the last year I have preached in, yes, within a year's time, I have preached in churches that did not have the exact same soteriology as me. But guess what? I proclaimed Christ as king. I proclaimed Christ as the one who saves, the one who makes dead men live. And I got amens from folks who maybe don't have the whole the same soteriology as me. Mm -hmm. So so that's right now, since, we, since we've uh, been building it up anyway, we'll get into it and see how far we can get in. And I mean, we can continue the conversation. We won't let this be the one that runs over everything too. We still need to discuss a lot of other things and we've got some right. stuff cooking up, but let's continue on with this. Oops, um, I'm getting a phone call and uh, yeah, I don't to, hit, I didn't hit do not disturb. Sorry about that, fellas. And doing what I was trying to do on my own. And that is to get back in a close, committed relationship to God. Uh, not just on my own efforts and trying to fulfill the spiritual obligations or anything of that sort. Living in the words. So okay. here's, you know, so he's starting out, he's just going to give me, 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 my testimony, all that kind of stuff. Is this belong on a Lord's day? Maybe for a few minutes, but it continues on. And so, you know, I'm going, we're going to hit that too, because that's part of our, uh, sort of theme on this is that you're robbing from Jesus. Yes. Give people preach the word. Yes. Preach the word. And you say you, you don't like men's opinions. Stop giving yours and preach the word. A little bit of testimony precedent to the sermon. And, uh, I'll give a little bit of testimony here when I was called to preach. Yeah. So here's, and it's one of those things we can probably skip a little bit here, but what he ends up doing, and we'll put a link to the video so you guys can watch this too. Um, he's, he's building up that testimony. Um, I think he picked up on whenever I said, you know, here's, um, you know, you have like 100% mega churches, um, say 20% uh, bigger churches that have like seminary trained uh, pastors. And then um, most churches are probably people that have been built up thrown into gospel ministry, not from seminary. And that was not a shot against any sort of intelligence or anything. I'm just saying here is a normal, the, probably the run of the mill um, median Baptist church that are popped up everywhere. And I was just wanting to say, 
the reason why we're talking about this because it's important because stuff like this happens um whenever you know we're talking about something um academic um and you get a little bit more academic um but you're not in the academic sort of world and which is totally fine and it's great because god never gives a checklist of go to seminary you know so you know i'm i'm thankful for that as well but i'm just saying i've done my due diligence in other ways to compensate for the fact that i haven't been there but i'm not hitting up on that but i think he's picking up on that and then so he ends up playing this hillbilly i might have some hillbilly ignorance so now he's going to play these guys think that i'm just a hillbilly no we don't no we've we recognize indicated that by the way yeah so you know it's one of those things that's in the air and so you know don't assume our motivations whenever we have reached out and we're trying to reconcile and so then don't turn because don't keep your congregation away from us and then tell him how tell them because basically you're telling them what we said or something that you know they're 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 picturing us as some condescending academics that are snubbing our noses at a rural church i love rural churches i care for them and i don't want to see church like because i see a lot of rural churches turn into cults I have a high care for rural churches and uh, that's my prayer for them is that um, grandpa doesn't take over. And then the whole family in the churches listen to grandpa and don't question grandpa. Right. So I think we need to be feeding the rural churches with lots of people and pastors and love because it can easily become a, um, a closed off community. And by the way, so. I will say this as well. Every rural pastor today has access to amazing resources theologically. I know, mm. for instance, Spurgeon and Midwestern, they have the For the Church Institute. It's completely free. There is robust theological training that anyone can get. Uh, I have a guy right now at Lynn Valley Community Church who came to me and said, hey, I feel like God has called me to the pastorate. We've been working through uh, Jason's Al Allen's Discerning Your Call to Ministry. I have a stack of books that we will be going through. Likewise, one of the things I told him is, hey, there are these five or six classes that are available for free. You need to choose at least three of them that you are going to go through under my uh, direction over the next few years, if you truly are called to ministry and you're not going to go to seminary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I was just uh, making sure my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my iPad was open. So it keeps on fading out there. So continue. Okay. Um, really I'm going to fast forward here a little bit. Determine Besides God, and I was going to get Yeah, so he's just he's kind of just giving his personal testimony on how he got into preaching and stuff. Again, this is it's a it's a it's a wonderful story. Yeah, and a but great it's, story. It's, but it's not relevant. It's not really relevant to this. Okay, no. we want again. If you we we want to trust your word that you have studied. Um, we want to trust that you know what you're talking about so that you can address your congregation with the certainty that you did. That's what, so again, kind of going back and like, well, I want to study the scriptures to see if they're if what's true. If what you say, it's true. Well, you don't even know what we say. We're our charge is that you have straw manned us. And then you're going to go to these other sources and stuff. I get you, but how let's do this. You and us let's talk. 
is what, but you're going to sequester yourself off. That's kind of the problem. Like I would advise that instead of solo scriptura, you're holding to solo scriptura, which is very, very dangerous. And let me say this too, because this is something that individuals who listen to the podcast maybe don't know, but some of the background into this whole narrative is that in one of the churches in their association, there was a youth pastor and there were other really two other really active young uh, individuals who are uh, called to ministry, who were fulfilling the role of ministry in a, in a lay position, right? And they were essentially asked to leave from that church because of their soteriology. So what happened within that association is the pastor of that church went and talked to all the other churches and poisoned the well against these folks and then brought about this. Well, are you ready? Many of those individuals knew me and wanted likewise to try to bash me uh, as well. And so have they actually ever taken the time to sit down and visit with these fo- with anyone who affirms uh, a more reformed position and who has a maybe more re- reformed leaning uh, or Calvinistic soteriology? Have they actually sat down and taken the time to talk with them and, and try to understand how they're actually on the same team? Mm-hmm. And in voicing them to God, he never belittles my concern. He simply answers. Read it, but I never really had completely studied it or, you know, uh, divided it. And he said, uh, I said, you know, the church you got me in. I said, there's probably not one person there better qualified in knowledge of Bible. He said, I didn't call him the conflict. And he said, if you do it right, you will depend on me. And that's yeah, totally fine. A- amen. All right. So, but the only thing is you're called to rightly divide it. So we hope that you have used the some studies to be able to do that. But in order to do that, you've probably had to go outside the 66 books to do that. So do you know what hermeneutics is? Do you know how to read the Bible? Do you know how to study the Bible and who helped you? Or are you doing this on your own? Which is very scary because like, again, God has given people gifts so that hands and feet and eyes and noses and elbows can all work together. (laughs) So I would say this, Adam, on that, because I think it's a key thing. We are certainly called by the Lord, but that calling does need to be accepted fearfully. Mm -hmm. Um, And I appreciate the way that Brother Long seems to me from his statement that he is very, very sincere in saying, Lord, I want to do it right. Amen. But there's also a component of that. Is it a false, and I cannot judge hearts, but if it's a sincere desire to rightly divide the word, okay, when you have been pointed out, when it has been pointed out to you that you eisegeted the text of scripture, that's something that needs to be uh, repented of. And that's in the the video, as far as I've seen, there is no like, I'm sorry, but I utilized you three wrongly. So do you care about rightly, rightfully dividing the word? Um, You didn't. So what you going to do? 
And I'm going to say this. It, uh, we had a guy come and, and preach here at Lid Valley just a little while ago. Um, Justin Long did an excellent job, or Justin Love, he did an excellent job. And one of the things that he shared very clearly was how uh, fearful he was from behind the pulpit. And I would agree, you know, I really want to do the best I can. And I have made many errors and many mistakes. And I've called people, hey, if you've heard me say something wrong or teach something that do- is doctrinally unsound, come to me point it out to me, look with me at the text of scripture, and let's make sure that I'm rightly handling the word. The church should keep you accountable to that. But if your church isn't, then other brothers in the Lord want to keep you accountable to that. This was a public thing. It was sent out to the public. In fact, it was stated, we want this to go, I want this to go worldwide. I don't want it to go worldwide when I mess up in the pulpit. I'm not trying to be demeaning here. I'm being honest own the fact that you made a mistake when it came to the exegesis of the text and you eisegeted and inserted things. That is real. If you really fear God's work, God, God and want to rightly handle his word, recognize, man, I'm going to get it wrong. And when you do own it. Mm-hmm. I rebut. I'll be off. If you get yours from me, do you think I can tell you what I said and help you to understand? Every- and just to let you know, that's the same sort of attitude if you do not rush to community that produces Joseph Smith and yeah. all the other people. So again, I, I, I get the sentimentalism, but it's not the word that God has written advises you not to be alone in this. That's why I am scared for you. And your con and your congregation, if you continue to go, because like this is like again what I said, this is Pope material. Like, are you going to be the Pope of your church, or are you going to make everybody the Pope, and then nobody has to listen to each other? They're all their own authority and autonomous, which is not biblical at all. So that's the problem. I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. I reluctantly accepted the concrete. Still, with reservations about my capability. I stand up here every Sunday without faith, in all, and if that ever stops, I will quit of the fact that God trusted me to use as a vessel, a conduit for his word to use. Okay. So if then God is feed your sheep. sheep. There you go. F- feed your sheep. What are you feeding them? Where's the, where's any scripture, uh, personal testimony. Okay. We're only three fifty six into the, this video. Okay. You got three minutes. Okay. How much more time you got on with your people on Sunday to, to feed them. And what do you feed them? Feed your sheep. Let's uh, does he feed a sheep? And he actually doesn't. If I ever take that less than completely seriously, Just to think that I have never got in this pulpit and failed to yield myself completely to the movie. I made the effort, I prayed the prayer. But there was a Sunday recently, here we go. That the message was from God, given me by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so he's talking about 
that Sunday that we talked about last week on the show, he said that that message was written, what was given him by God. It was God's word. All right. It was given to him by the Holy Spirit to preach what he preached that Sunday. So is that, so he's, there is no sorry that I isogeted the text. So he's, he's going, what I preach is what the Holy Spirit gave me. So therefore the Holy Spirit said so. So if the Holy Spirit says that you can preach against Reformed theology from Jude 3, can you question it now? Can his congregation question that? We're questioning. I'm questioning. We've, that's the whole point. Like, how do you get from that to here? And you never did. You just asserted it. We're calling that out saying you can't do that. That's not what we should do. And it's okay to be wrong, but you have to actually be sorry. But here's the admission that he's not sorry for the eisegesis. The person alone took over in his delivery. So the delivery was wrong, but the message was right. So the delivery, so are we talking about, and I'm very serious, I'm not trying to like split hairs, but if we're talking about the delivery, do we mean the tone of the words being said? Do we mean the choice of the illustrations being used? What are you talking about? The delivery was wrong. Like that is a very vague, and as one who is always watching a lot of speeches, delivery, when I talk about delivery, I'm talking about nonverbals. I'm talking about tone. I'm talking about pace. I'm talking about rate. That is delivery. I'm confessing. I'm just you. My God. Agree. Confession is agreeing with God. Right? That was pointed out to me by the very people that I. So, real quick. You understand so made so that it pointed clear. out. Yeah. It was pointed out by people who attacked. I just, there's extra noise, but I wanted to make yeah. sure that the people, people who heard. he attacked, it was yeah. pointed out to him by the very people he attacked. What was pointed out that your delivery was wrong or that your exegesis was wrong or in the message <laughs> that he said was wrong. I have nothing wrong with passionate delivery, by the way. Like, yeah. No, again, like if we got mad about somebody getting loud and like, body into it and all that stuff then we're hypocrites so we're not going to get mad about that it's literally the you taking the text rightfully dividing it but you didn't and then you attacked without any sort of backup and you just pushed push 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 but you never like brought anything to go here's why it's wrong here's why it's wrong real quick i'm going to jump in here on this because i think this Mm -hmm. is important and this is a little bit of an aside but i think it's important yeah brother long wouldn't it be better to have a dialogue instead of saying, now I'm going to respond to this video. Now I'm, well, we have to do this because you've refused to engage us, right? Like these are things that you declared from behind the pulpit. Your confession was not, man, I mishandled God's word. It was my delivery was wrong. What does that mean? I mean, like, seriously, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but what does that mean? What does that mean to your people? Like, how do they understand my delivery was wrong. Are you going to expand on that? Well, that's what I would have hoped that you would do 
is give me some nuance for how I understand what you mean by your delivery was wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's one of those things that this could be something to take place on the Lord's day. If you were going to say, I had totally mishandled scripture, sorry guys. And then re-preach it, re-preach Jude three, <laughs> you know, and contending for the faith and, and it's context and stuff like that. Give your, give your people the then, then so that you can get to the us now, but that's not what you do. And so again, you've robbed the Lord's day. You have robbed Jesus the glory you've robbed your robbed your people the food they needed to eat that week on their day of rest so that they can go out to the rest of the week and actually win people versus divide people you just commit continuing to sow division I want you to understand something the 27th day of february the message was the truth so again so he's not what he said was the truth he said that reformed theology is heresy conflating Calvinism and Reformed theology while stealing from Reformed theology. Um, so he's doubling down there. So again, he's not sorry about the eisegesis at all, uh, just the delivery of it, which is not what we're hitting. And so he's now again, misrepresenting us still. Um, and then not willing to come in and talk on the show yet. Um, and utilizing basically his pulpit as a podcast, not Bingo. being a pulpit. The methodology of delivery. This is not how you God. contend for the faith. That's where I got well, The doctrine of Calvinism in the modern Reformed theology, I still believe to be heresy. I know Okay, pause right there. The doctrine of Calvinism and modern Reformed theology. What in the world do you mean? Define Those are your vague, terms. Vague terms. Are there things about Calvinism that I don't agree with? Yeah, um, I'm not a Pado Baptist. I'm not. I do not wish to be a Pado Baptist. I'm more than happy to agree with you that Calvin got that wrong. Luther got that wrong. Yep. Um, no problem. Modern yep. reform. So again, theology. so. Do you know? Do you know that Calvinism again is separate from Reformed theology in the sense of the distinctive issue of modern Calvinist? If I just say I'm a Calvinist, I'm just saying because you still need to ask the question: Well, are you a Presbyterian? Or are you a Baptist? Right? Or even there's Charismatics that are holding to the doctrines of grace. So again, so you you disagree with the doctrines of grace, and I mean he goes on to hit the tulip, which then that's more. Um, right so you know he's gonna hit the tulip do you realize calvin didn't come up with a tulip and that was the synod of dort have you heard have you read that so that's the source not the um you know that's not that's not charles spurgeon which came later um but do you go back to the source of where tulip comes from which would be the synod of dort and and read those documents which then again we're still in disagreement with over infant baptism and it's yeah. it's totally fine because whenever I read um, the 1689 and I read the Westminster and I read the Savoy, the, the English Reformation documents of the 1600s, um, I see a whole lot more unity and them working together um, than I see the disunity. And I can celebrate that, though, you know, like I'll celebrate some Zwingli. I'll celebrate Martin Luther. I'll celebrate John Calvin and Bollinger and all those guys, you know, though I'm going to find lots of disagreements, but I'm going to find those close-handed issues and go great brother misled on that 
And then uh, at the end of my story, if it was ever written down in my beliefs and systematized, somebody's going to be like, loved Adam. We had the close hands issues, right? Great brother. Disagreed him on here, here, and here. I've got a Dispy uh, friend that we are constantly around each other and we love the crap out of each other, um, but we do not like each other's eschatology. We love each other, but we closed hand issues. You know, it's the same thing. Well, Adam, um, so just, like, it's one of those things. Does he this. know this? And where's the, where are the def- definitions? And do is he feeding people definitions, or he's just going saying it's bad? And it's like here, 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 here from them. But do they know what they are saying? Amen to. Yeah, that's the issue. That vagueness only creates further divide. And then now notice something because of what I sent to you regarding the five solas, you don't mention, um, by the way, you know what? I said, I totally reject reformed theology. That is something I need to back up on. You as a church do not totally reject reformed theology. Nope. You can't, you can't, you're a Baptist. You can't reject reformed theology. You wouldn't notice be here without that. Notice now it's an adjustment, modern reformed theology. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What I'm telling you is, I'm going to back up right after this statement. I'm going to try to keep this from being convoluted and having to jump back and forth. So I'm trying to set the stage for what we're going to look at. Okay. So real quick, we're like five minutes into the sermon. We still haven't got God's word. Mm-hmm. From my... My your opinion and again you don't like man's opinion well are you a man why are you feeding your people on a sunday your opinions just say i'm sorry i might have gotten a lot of stuff wrong i'm sorry for last week i'll have a jude redo sometime maybe not today i'm going to give you the word of god today and read a passage exegete it give your people the application points and send them out into the world but here's the thing me me i i that's all i've heard it's sunday you just hopefully sang some songs and worship to jesus you're going to sing some songs and worship to jesus after this but there's a whole how many minutes where jesus wasn't worshiped but you were just fighting for yourself says the man who says Reformed theology is wrong because if you listen to their sermons, they're just quoting man. Well, at least they're quoting other men and not themselves. That's pretty egotistical. So again, if you're going to judge, you will be judged in like measure. And that's what I'm doing. And I'm saying like, you need to listen to yourself. And this is, again, you're not feeding your sheep and this breaks my heart. And I, again, this is a podcast. This could be done. You could have done this with us right now. Yeah, and then given to the Lord what the Lord's day was intended for, God's mm-hmm. word being broken. And here's the thing, when you do systematic, uh, I should say a very clear expositional view or an expositional approach to scripture, are you ready? You have to deal with everything that the text hands you. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with everything that God gave you instead of jumping around. Guess what? Here's the beauty of God's word. When I run into a text and I preach it as I'm preaching through a book, 
I don't get to jump around and hopscotch around like I want to make it say this. Everybody in my church is going to hold me accountable to like, well, didn't Luke say in the book of Acts this? Didn't didn't Paul say in Philippians this? You've been in Philippians. Like, why Paul keeps using that term in Ephesians? Like, why, why have you now changed it here when it has a clear meaning over here? That's why going through a book expositionally is incredibly important, by the way. Examination of the Bible and study of the Bible to this point, this, to this point, I am still convinced that Calvinism and the view of it as uh, held by the modern reform theology is heresy. Again, so then you know enough to come on our show out of season because you already know enough to still say that it is heresy. So why are you having to go back and study? Why are you running? I don't want to play that game, but you're saying it enough. You should already know and you shouldn't have to study. It should be in your heart. It should be in your mind. You should have hidden his words inside your heart enough to refute us and correct us. And it's, if it's heresy, then you have, a, you have an opportunity to preach the gospel to us. Are you ready? So this last week, um, maybe I told said this on the last podcast, I don't remember, maybe it's just you and me in dialogue, right? So a Mormon missionary contacts me, contacts a guy from my church. Guy from my church says, hey, uh, one of the Mormon elders uh, sent me a message I'm wanting to meet with him. Um, what do you think that I should do? And I was like, dude, let's go together, but let's get together first and let's go meet with him. Now, let me tell you something. And the first thing I said is we need to pray for this guy's salvation because he's lost, right? But I know the beliefs that he has that are heretical, that will damn him to hell because he believes in a false Jesus. Why do I know that? Because I know the real Jesus. I know the true Jesus who historically lived and who store who is not only in time, but prior to time planned to rip out my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Like I don't need all this preparation. If I'm going to call something a heretical doctrine, it's because I know it. I know the true mm-hmm. thing. And then I know what the false gospel is that is believed. And it is a false gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's an assertion, there's an assertion that it's heresy, but never proof that it's heresy because you yeah. haven't accurately ever represented actually what they believe. Are you ready? You've mm-hmm. never actually said, here are these foundational positions that they hold. Here's a scripture that they use, and here's how they mishandle that scripture. Mm-hmm. Answer that call to pray, uh, pray, pray, preach. I also told God, and this was one of my, probably my most Biggest, a biggest concern for me preaching. I said, God, I have sat under the preaching of called men. Called so you rely on other guys, and it's totally good. So I'm glad you did. Have been scholars of the Bible, have been taught by others, have prayed and been led by the Holy Ghost, and they differ on things in the Bible. I said, look at. Uh, close communion. Devout Bible believing, Bible teaching Christian born again saying that it should only be taken by the local called out assembly. Right? 
beautiful, beautiful, beautiful analogy, brother. You, you got it right. Amen. You but have is, uh, people. So do you believe like, so are you close community communion guy and you're going to call it heresy on say it's antithesis. And uh, then are you still going to call them brothers? What, you know? Yeah. You, <laughs> but, but he's recognizing still, yeah. here that he holds yeah. a different position mm-hmm. than other people that he said are ready, studied, studied under the wisdom of other men. Mm-hmm. No theology, no scripture. Oh, do you see? They're not heretics because of their view of scripture. Now, there is a heretical view of the Lord's Supper that the Catholic Church holds because they believe that it brings salvation, that it merits grace. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That is counter doctrinal to an orthodox view of salvation. Mm-hmm. Anybody else, Justin? I don't care. Who they are, maybe a preacher, evangelist, and members of another church, can't take it, it's closed. Someone equally convinced, equally saved, equally uh, called by you to preach, and they hold an exact opposite view. That it is an open communion to all believers who meet certain conditions of salvation and baptism and so on. But they don't have to be a part of that local to take. Okay, so again, just if you call us heretics, though, this is a bad analogy because you're not calling these other people heretics. You're still allowing them to be brothers and sisters. You just don't meet at the same building together to worship together. But you called us heretics, though. That's not the, so. It's a, still a false analogy on your own position. So that's the bad thing. So. There are people that say that if you smell alcohol, that's a sin. There are people that say you can drink it, but don't abuse it. That's not a sin. Both of them called. Both of them Christians. Both of them born again. Both of them sold out to you. How do I know? Because there is only one truth. How do I know? I don't want to spew error from your pulpit. How do I know? That what I'm telling them is exact that I'm not taking on something that's passed on to me either. Are you ready? You examine God's word. You look at church history. You pray on it. You understand traditions and where the traditions might blind you. You again test that against scripture. You look at how the church has again. Here's a little historical theology for you. That's why historical theology is so important, right? It lets us understand. Guess what? There are some people that have different convictions on this. You'd ask, does scripture say that it is a sin to drink alcohol? That's systematic theology, by the way. That's a systematic theology. And you find out, okay, wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler. But then at the same time, God's telling people to drink some wine and beer and have a celebration. Right? So, oh, do we have a contradiction? Are you going to be... Bart Ehrman or uh, Hegel or whatever, you know, or are you going to be like, no, they're both true. And uh, yeah, I'm the problem. And so then what we need to do is maybe not uh, slam each other. And understand, (laughs) (laughs) guess what? If you are ministering in like a recovery ministry, I think that it is a sin to drink alcohol. If you're in a recovery ministry type of church, 
and what you're doing is going to cause other people to stumble, it is sinful. Mm -hmm. You know what it is? I tried to think of all the theological questions that I could that men that I trusted to be saved differently. I started in Genesis. For each of those questions. With no preconceived question of my own. Except what does the Bible say about this doctrine? I did not say. Does it say now give it to us? What does the Bible say? What are you going to preach to your people today on your Lord's Day? I said, What should it say about communion? Guess what? The Bible tells you. Drink it. I didn't ask, Is it a sin to drink? Or does the Bible say it's okay to drink? I said, What should it say about drinking? That was five or ten. Every place that didn't mention wine, strong drink, anything that had to do with drinking. I was looking at it openly because I wanted to know the truth. I gave you the truth. People would still differ with me, some of them. Even if I'd have lived them on the same path, yeah, I see you. I'm going to hit the 10 second fast forward here. In response to that. What I did on February 27th was reprehensible. What yes. was reprehensible? I took the okay, so I was speaking the truth, but I was reprehensible. Okay. I'm again I'm confused. The Holy Ghost and made it a personal thing. I instead of exposing the theology, I attacked the messengers of it. Do you remember me standing in this pulpit repeatedly lately talking about how we Christians think that we can get up and lambast everybody else about how stupid they are and expect them to accept our message? I was guilty of the same thing, wasn't I? You be honest about your past. Yeah, but the thing is, okay, and uh, so here's here's where the appreciation is. Thank you for apologizing for the ad hominem, the not exposing it, and all that kind of stuff. And I can thank you for that, but I can only half thank you and say, you know, you're forgiven, even though I'm I'm forgiving you all of this. I'm going to like I want to show you grace and mercy and compassion and being slow here. But the thing is, is you said that you spoke the truth, but now you said it was like you you were horrible. <laughs> so what the again, what is it? So now where you've made yourself a victim, now you're saying, look at me, and you're utilizing a I'm sorry to do that. All right, because you have not explained, you know, like why is your message true even though it was wrongly divided? That's what we hit you on was the eisegesis 
So you did not pick up on that if you did watch our video or if you didn't, and then you're response, responding blindly and maybe to the emails. So that's that's this is why we need to have a conversation and we don't need another. We don't need you. You, you shouldn't be doing a podcast from your pulpit on a Sunday morning. I was guilty of exactly the same thing. You know what they call it? They like the reaction. Really? They would react the same way towards me? There's an accusation, a like reaction. We never name called. We never misrepresented. We simply looked at the handling of scripture and critiqued the handling of scripture as a mishandling of God's word. It is a pulpit crime. Dear friend, it is a pulpit crime to insert yourself into the text of scripture, to force the text of scripture to read something that it does not, and then to do so at the same time while creating straw men and burning them down on a Sunday morning on the Lord's day when it is Christ and Christ crucified that you should be preaching. If I honestly believe my standpoint, I slam the door on being able at all to influence him in that direction. No, you slammed the door on us being brothers. You called it heresy. You've said it's true. I understand in an email you said, notice that my salutation is brotherly. But again, you're you're saying words, but your actions are different. You're doing something else. We ask you to align those things. Are we or are we not brothers? And then act according to that. Stop yeah. calling it heresy because you don't know. If you don't know something, you don't know something. So just say, I don't know. I do need to go back. But then again, apparently you don't need to go back because you're still calling it heresy. And to your estimation, to your study, so bring your study to the people. Let's have a conversation. And again, not having a podcast from the pulpit. So Calvinism and a modern view of Reformed theology is heresy. When you were invited by individuals who, I don't know that we could actually say that we hold the positions that you're articulating, because I've actually never got an explanation of what you believe that is. Mm -hmm. So what I am doing is I am saying, I think that you are calling me a heretic. At least you are lumping together individuals that I know, that I know, because that's where your whole association went after these guys which are great brothers, by the way, one of them is someone who trained under me as a pastor, and they were asked to leave a church. They were then told by the association that they were a part of that they used to use, that they used to lead a youth camp for, you guys are heretics. Now, when you have someone who is saying, dude, let's talk, brother, let's talk. I believe you are calling me and people who believe like me heretics. But I don't even know that you even understand our position. You slam the door. And you say, oh, I didn't slam the door. I just said not right yeah. now. No, you've, you, you looked past the offer made at least two times. So here's the deal. Like, we want you to deal with us for us. We don't want you to go into your study. Like, understand going to the Bible to understand what you believe and what it teaches. But I hope you're not consulting any books on Reformed theology or Calvinism to then come to us 
to quote that at us. I'm like, no, we want to go. Here's where we're coming from. Here's what the de- here's how we define things, and then let's get our definitions together and have a conversation. So please don't be going into your study to go. Well, I'm going to quote uh, this. I'm going to quote like I'm going to I'll say Chris Date. Let's just say that I'm going to yeah. find Chris Date stuff. That's a modern guy. That's you know we don't agree with on annihilationism and and uh, some other things, right? So don't quote Chris Date to us, but let's have the conversation. So do we match this? You know, like is Lorraine Botner okay? He's not. I mean, is that modern? Is that not? Is Charles Spurgeon modern or not modern? You know, is there a Calvinist that you like? That's an okay Calvinist. Versus this modern. So now you made it a, a distinction of modern. So maybe back in the day, Calvinists were okay. So you said you don't want to make things convoluted, but this is what you're doing to save face in front of your congregation when you, all you had to do is just preach the word on Sunday and then come on our podcast on Monday. Do you think that they're thinking, how can we lead people down the primrose path to hell? They're not. Wait a second. Yes, we have to be. We have to be thinking that because we're anti-Christ. We're anti-Christ. We have to be. Again, you haven't, he hasn't uh, answered the charge of anti-Christ to us. So, yeah. Thank you for picking up on that one. I am still dealing with their salvation. I'll be honest with you. I have to get correct. What did he say? Rewind that real quick. Yeah. I am still dealing with their salvation. I'll be honest with you. I have to get correct. He hasn't put that in this thing. I the same process I did when I was told to preach. Examine the Bible. I'm going to go this far. If they are right, God will show me. If they are right, God will show me. Okay? I won't have a reference book of, you know, what is it, Stroll and some of those that espouse this. It won't be those teachings. It'll be the teaching of the Holy Bible. Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura. But he's going to go solo Scriptura and not bounce any ideas off until he comes to maybe cut us down in a dialogue, right? So that's the problem, is you can just go ahead with what you already believe and what you already know and come into a conversation with us. So, but the thing is, I know that you've made a very strong claim. We need to contend for the faith and you charge your congregants. You need to do this. We need to lose apathy over this and do this. Um, And then when you're called out on the carpet to have a discussion regarding contending for the faith, you say, I better go study. Yeah. So if you were preaching Timothy four, second Timothy four. How are you going to example 2 Timothy 4 to your people being ready out of season? You don't feel like you're in the season. 
in this conversation. So you're going to go to your, your study by yourself with nobody else. Whenever we're brothers that want to go, we can have a conversation and sharpen each other. By the way, and you I'll, run away. I want to key in on something real quick. This, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, Adam, I know you're going to have to go here before too long. If we need to break this up and whatever, I, you know, uh, just one long mega show is fine. Uh, that's good. What I want to say is this rather long, actually, if you can break it into two, that'd be great since we're only going to record this one. <laughs> we'll just have to <laughs> pause. Uh, Brother Long and anyone else, this is not two guys picking on a pastor of a small Southern Baptist church. This is two guys saying, brother, we actually really care for you. We believe you are a valuable partner in the gospel ministry, but you closed us off. Anyone who would take this and try to swap that is being incredibly deceptive. Our plea is not, man, you, you have to adopt all of our positions. Our piece is we're partners in the gospel. Join us in that. Explain to your people truthfully, guess what? There are things that we are going to disagree on, even as Southern Baptist, but we are unified in the charge of the Great Commission to preach the gospel to all of creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, God will confirm. But no uncertainty. I believe it. I believe that they're wrong. I'm convinced. Now, why? Where? About Where is what? the scriptures? Okay, just to let you know, we're 13 minutes and 25 seconds in to a Lord's Day sermon time. And we're getting a podcast. We're not getting a sermon. We're not getting a thus saith the Lord. Twice, two weeks in a row, these people are starving. Now they've been energized with some ear tickling, but they have not been given the what Lord. Are, what are they energized to do? Go beat up a Calvinist? Like, I mean, seriously. Or pat not themselves told, on the back. Not That's told, what, yeah. oh, when these people to Christ, oh, but they're antichrist uh, and they're sending people to hell. Not, man, and we need to do something to understand what we can do to make sure these folks are not going to hell. Yeah. And so this is, you know, again, why this is important. We're Missouri. Like this is a, you know, we, you're, you're still part of the Baptist, Southern Baptist, but I you, teach in you Missouri. were in, I'm part again, of Missouri Baptist apologetics yep, network. And you were in the Dallas County association suffering st- through this stuff. <sighs> this kills relationships. This kills people. Now, if it's a true divide, then yes, but you got to have a conversation. No one. Ever Martin Luther down. still had a conversation. Martin Luther still had to fight and he talked with people and had a conversation. He didn't run away. You know, he wanted safe passage and they gave it to him and he didn't burn him. So that was great, you know, but he still had the conversation. He didn't run away because he studied prior and he was ready in season and out of season. He had to be ready. He had to be ready. And luckily they gave him one more night, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and then luckily somebody gave him some room in his castle to hide for a while, but he was always ready. And that's what we, if we go, if we go get out of Jude three and we get to another, um, another, uh, somewhat, you know, you could say uh parallel passage on this, be ready 
Always be ready. Be prepared to make a defense. Even though the context is way different than that. It's still, I think it, it's because it's in Jude 3 to be ready to, you know, to contend for the faith, to earnestly contend for the faith. I think the whole scripture is able to teach us, be ready at all times. And it doesn't matter who you are, be ready and be prepared. And so again, um, we are shut out. There is, you've said that you apologize, but there hasn't really been an apology and you stole an two Sundays. What? Like an apology yeah. for like, you've never said, what do you, what am I grieved about? I'm grieved that I yeah. misrepresented people. I'm grieved that I uh, got you guys thinking in uh, this manner that there were these evil boogeymen out there that were in our churches that crept in unknowingly. Like, yeah, I'm sorry for calling them heretics, but they're still heretics. It's like, you don't have to either you're sorry and we're not heretics or you don't have to be sorry if we are. I mean, that's how truth works. He won't keep it a secret from me. If they're right, he's going to want y'all to know. And he, you know what I'm saying, eh? And they're striking back. At first, it was offensive, and then it got common. We were actually really never, like, offended in that sense. Like, but it is offensive to not rightfully divide the word to which you said you're way like whatever like the the message was the truth you had nothing to back that up it was because you isolated the text it was offensive and then got comical what was offensive what was offensive from my perspective was that number one you completely mishandled the text of scripture you clearly isolated the text you clearly made the text say what you wanted it to say and and even attributed to that's what Jude was talking about. Mm-hmm. No, not even close. Find me one person in all of church history. I mean, seriously, find me one person in all of church history who is a published commentator. I don't even care if they self-published that is saying what you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I could hear me doing the same sort of You imposed what you think about yourself on us. You, 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 you. That's all we're hearing today. Your church should be offended. Your congregation should be offended because they're hearing about you, you, you. Can we come on and get on the podcast and have an us? Can we talk can we have a non-central point here other than the scriptures and and then lip service fetist lip service so again we're not offended or we're not offended in the ad hominem sense you can call us heretics all day fine whatever we're okay. arguing arguments and your arguments and the way that you've handled the text are horrendous and they need to be apologized for. So you apologize. And I, I, I'm glad that you are willing to at least try and make an apology and stand in front of your church, but you did not apologize. 
So this is saving face possibly, even though your congregation probably didn't watch our show, probably have no care about tag. You're it totally fine. We'd love for them too. They'd hear a consistent gospel message. They'd actually know that we have worked to empower people to defend the faith and to evangelize. I mean, all they need to do is read Adam's chapter in the book that the Missouri Baptist Convention actually sponsored regarding evangelism, evangelism, therefore apologetics. Mm -hmm. So I don't know many people who have spent and dedicated the amount of time to training people to equip others for the gospel defense and the gospel proclamation in the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network more than Adam and I besides Rob and maybe Ed Crowtu. The amount of hours that we have spent in demonstrating how to defend the Christian faith, how to think from a Christian worldview, how to engage on belief, the, not only the hours we've spent on air, the amount of hours Adam has made sure to spend in publishing and producing the podcast, making it possible, the sacrifice that he has made. And all of that is, according to you, Brother Long, he's an antichrist heretic. Hmm. Well, now this man, you understand that the church of pastors is a small rural church. Don't play a victim. I yeah. care about rural churches. I'm saying that, again, I will, let's mention this. I was mentioning that this is the majority kind of church that we have. Yes. Praise God. I was saying a fact. Okay. I wasn't saying it in a pejorative sense. And I do care about the rural ministries because it broke my heart whenever I found out the uneven distribution of money from co cooperative programs. I'm not blaming the NBC or anything like that, um, but I'm just saying like where people have cooperated, put their money together on to go on mission more goes to the cities. Yep. Understand there's more churches and more leaders. I get that too. Uh, so I'm not going to get on this inequity sort of stuff, but a lot more gets poured into the cities. And there's people that I know that have been like, I've been in a rural situation and I've needed more help and I it got cut off and how, it broke my heart because I know what the rural people do need. And how it breaks many my heart. times, Adam, how many yeah. times did you drive up to Buffalo to minister the gospel in a rural community? If was, you don't care about rural pastors, then why in the world are we even talking? There's only 900 people in the town that I live in, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like So again, like my facts were not pejorative. I was just stating the, the, the landscape and why this is important. Why are rural churches important? Why are we hitting this? Because we could call it low-hanging fruit. A lot of people might think that we're doing low-hanging fruit here and just massaging our egos. And trying to pick on someone. But That's no, we're not saying, it. Like we I clarified. Care. Yeah, I clarified at the beginning, like, no, we're not doing this because it's easy. And it is, you know, like if I can admit this is low-hanging fruit, but I'm not doing it for that purpose. I'm not doing it to massage the ego. I'm just saying the majority of churches are like this. And then you are one then who wants even, to separate yourself from community. Which then should even cause individuals like me who are involved in Southern Baptist education to say, man, we want to make this affordable. We want to do things for you. And I would encourage any pastor who doesn't have the money to go to seminary. You don't have to go to seminary. Like it's a blessing, but at the same time, it's also really difficult and I'm not saying that an individual is, I, I've rarely met few individuals who are pastors that did not have the uh, intellectual acuity to attend seminary. They 
I don't know that I've met a pastor, honestly, that couldn't go and pass and complete seminary. It's a time thing. Look, even to this day, man, it is hard for me to be able to financially provide for my family and attend seminary. That's an actual challenge for me, right? All I find is I want to know more. So that's why people like Jason Allen have provided the For the Church Institute for individuals who are in these rural communities who want some more training. That's why they make these conferences affordable so people can go to them and get that training. It's incredibly important. That's why there are so many different places where pastor groups are being trained constantly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's, let's uh, go just a little bit longer. Yeah, you let me know, dude. I mean, hit whatever, this, uh, whatever. You yeah, we'll need get like one last wise. point here, or something like that. But then um, we will continue this unless if he does finally change his mind to to come and talk to us, and then we'll move on um, with the conversation from there. But you know, again, he gets into some arguments without getting into scripture, other than maybe in passing once, as far as I know. And we'll get get through the whole thing. But this one, and at least the the arguments were a little bit better than just like look at the sermons that they preach and they only quote men and never quote the Bible, which is an outright lie. Um, but this gets a little bit more into the meat, a little bit more into the meat. And so hey, we can continue hey, on this just one. So, so, you know, if you want to say, listen to their sermons, you have to have a biography, listen to any of my sermons and compare the quotations of men from the quotations of scripture. It's not even clear, not even close. And if I do quote a man, it is looking at the way they explained it and saying, this, this helped me understand scripture. Mm-hmm. In, in preachers that are accessible. This is paraphrased, by the way, it's not a direct quote. You better do what direct quote me. I don't uh, like your paraphrases. <laughs> hard for them to attract seminary yeah yeah and i'm just gonna say yeah yeah we'll end it there um because i just did that um you have a problem taking in information and processing it now i'm gonna say it's not your intel it's, it's not your intelligence i'm gonna say it's your prejudice hmm. okay so I, I would advise you to guard your heart pray to get rid of the prejudice and get to more objectivity because you can go back. I want you to see the video because okay, apparently you watched the video and you were quoting, you're paraphrasing me and watch what I said. And I'm going to tell you right now, I did not say or speak in a pejorative way at all. Again, I was stating the facts that a church like yours is the majority type of church. That the majority type of pastor is somebody that is not seminary trained and academic. And that's why our discussion that we're having about this is important. I was, may, I was lifting up the rural church. I was lifting up the churches that are 30 people as being important enough to talk about this. And that was explained to make sure that out of the way, out of the gate, we were going, this, we're not hitting this because it's low hanging fruit to massage our egos because there is an important nature to this conversation. Okay. You just proved that you can't listen to somebody and distill it. And I'm going to say again, it's probably not an intelligence issue. 
hear me clearly. I am not calling you stupid. I am not calling you a hillbilly ignorant person. I'm just saying, watch your prejudice. There is prejudice here. And you're assuming what you don't know and what you can't get to inside my head. You're making stuff up and throwing up walls. Let's lose it and talk, please, so that we can move forward because Dallas County is right, right above Greene County and we need to work together on many things and we can't have this sort of this straw man hatred and prejudice. Okay. And so stop assuming let's have a conversation. So um, I'll give Dave some time for some final points. And Adam, I so enjoy getting to talk through things with you like this. You've been a blessing to me and an encouragement to me. Um, through multiple attacks where I have been straw manned, unfairly and misrepresented. This is a serious issue to me because you might have some guy who has a seminary degree who says, you know what? I want to preach in a, in a, in a rural Baptist church. I want to go there. I'm going to move my family there. I'm going to be a bivocational pastor. That's why I'm going to drive a bus and I'm going to preach right here in Gravel Road Baptist Church. And I'm going to minister to these folks. Oh, but now your association has said, guys like that can't come here. We don't want them if they affirm a soteriology that we don't like. We don't and like. And it's because they've been the trained in the seminaries. So if you're going to talk about who's boogeymanning who and insulting who, you're the one that already said they've crept into our seminaries and they're coming for us. That's what you've done. Read the soteriology of the founders of Southern Seminary mm -hmm. if they crept into your associate, if they crept into the denomination. Yeah. And uh, yeah, later on. And so whenever it comes up, you've, you know, I'll put the link up to the video already and you're going to see, um, you know, like I just, I would, before we get there, if Brother Long listens to this, I would go over the New Hampshire and the, uh, the 25 again and just let you know. And then we'll, we'll talk about this on the next show, but watch and you'll again, you show that the, the, uh, ununderstanding that you have, the, the non-understanding of the position of our position that you have, if all you see that is reformed in those documents is the eldership. That that's another thing. that's why we need to have a conversation. So we're not, we're not videoing each other and you're not wasting a Lord's day. And I would ask you to please next Sunday, have a real true expositional sermon that feeds your people. You starved them for two weeks. Please preach to them. Give them the gospel. I know at least on Easter, you, <laughs> I, and I know you're, see, I'm, I know better, so I don't have to worry about Easter Sunday. I know you're going to preach them Christ. Start this week too. Preach the Christ. Get off of this. Come on the podcast. We can do this here. That can be done here. This is the, this is the place. Okay. And so, my piece would yeah. be brother long demonstrate to other individuals that it's not okay to add hominem brothers in the Lord. And it's not okay to call people who are heretic, call people heretics who actually are like 90% aligned with you on numerous things. That is, that is not only toxic, Again, I'll repeat this one more time. We live in polarizing times. Guess what? You made your circle 
a little bit smaller and said, if you don't stand on this spot, you're going to hell. Before too long, the circle will get smaller and smaller and smaller until only your big toe can fit on it. And it'll be you standing on your big toe with your Bible and that's it. And you're going to be fine. It sounds like you're going to be fine because that's seemingly all you need, all you want. So you're going to lose your congregation. But if you're like that, I hope you do. But I know it's not like that. We can talk. Let's get this going so that us Missouri Baptists can get back together and cooperate and go on mission together. That's why this is an important conversation. This is why we're doing this. Anyway, um, so I know it's a long, heavy episode and everything. Again, I hope it reaches the right people, right ears. I hope it's edifying. I hope that again, you you call us out if we if we have have actually ad hominem for real <laughs> on yeah. something um, that we haven't tried to be reconcilial. Hit us up on that. Well, I appreciate the people that did watch the last episode and have commented that you know what you know what they thought of it and all that stuff. Uh, we appreciate that feedback. Yeah, well, thank thanks you guys for the for shares that. and the likes um, and the subscriptions that we've had grow. Yeah. That's always cool. Yeah. So um, let's keep this conversation going. Again, this is NRNBC. Um, this is we're cooperating again. I have to cooperate with Doug Ritchie, and I know you know that conversation, right? I have to cooperate with him as a Missouri Baptist, though we have we, our we get, stuff. We get to cooperate with those people mm -hmm. who are different than us. We get by God's grace through the unity that the Spirit brings we can recognize that there are very important things that we adamantly disagree on and we can sharpen one another because of our disagreements on those things but on those primary things man we are on the same ground and we will proclaim christ crucified boldly yeah men must repent men must repent and trust christ as their righteous judge as their righteousness well, with that said, this is the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am David Van Pepper. And Sully. Deo. Gloria. <laughs>